0: This is Pixelated Audio, and for this episode, we're going to be listening to Dangerous Seed for the Sega Mega Drive and Namco System 1. All right, welcome back. This is Pixelated Audio, a podcast focusing on game audio, its history, and the culture. We're your hosts,
1: I'm Brian. And I'm Gene. We got a really cool show lined up for today. That's right, today we're gonna be talking about Dangerous Seed, a game that came out in arcades in 89 and on Mega Drive in 1990.
0: Right, and this was a recommendation from some of our moderators in Discord, Electric Boogaloo and Norm, Uh, they brought this up and we were kinda going through it, it was really fun. We were doing um, uh, the audio chat room kind of thing. And I had my uh, my computer hooked up uh, as the output device. And we were kind of going through the channels and breaking down uh, the hardware and stuff kind of together. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I want to do more of those. Uh, but it ended up being a really interesting soundtrack to kind of delve into and I think that uh, today we're gonna have a lot of fun kind of dissecting it a little bit
1: yeah we're mostly gonna be focusing on the Mega Drive version but we are gonna be dipping back into the arcade version from time to time to do some comparisons right. it's a really great soundtrack altogether, and it's actually a fairly faithful port so I'm looking forward to listening to more of it yeah that track that brought us in was the stage
0: intro from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed and uh, this is actually the credits theme or kind of the counterpart to the credits theme on the arcade uh, composed by Yoshinori Nagumo arranged for the Mega Drive by Yoshiki Nishimura Akihito Hayashi Yokushimokawa and Totsu Kurzweil uh, which is obviously a pseudonym that we could never figure out yeah and I couldn't find much about him yeah yeah in fact this is the only game that has that that uh, pseudonym listed or that al- alias listed. So uh, we're,
1: we're, we kind of fell short on that one. Um, but great track, right? Yeah, absolutely. It gets me really pumped. It's uh, it, it starts off a little bit more mellow, and then it just gets more triumphant and epic in like 15 seconds. It's all you really need, right? Right. <laughs> uh, you know, at first I thought the, that kind of um, kind
0: of harpsichordy sound in the background was the PSG, but when we were listening to it, it's, it's actually the FM, and it makes a lot more sense because it's, it's kind of got that shrillness to it and uh, a little bit of... Um, it's almost like you're cranking the wheel, right? And it it's like this player box or something, and in the yeah. background, I, I like that a lot. I think it's a cool track. Do you yeah. think this would be a good one to play a comparison on? Yeah, yeah, we could certainly Cause... do that. So, so yeah, so this is the stage intro for the Mega Drive that we just heard. Let's just play a little bit. <laughs> We're already diving into yeah. the comparisons, but let's just play a little bit from the arcade. Yeah, so that was the uh, name entry or credits theme for the arcade version of Dangerous Seed. It's a little bit thinner, a
1: little bit weaker. Uh, it's still a good composition, but yeah, they definitely cranked it up for the Mega Drive version, which is why we're focusing mostly on that one, as you'll you'll hear throughout the show. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Uh, so, um, Gene, you want to get us started? Absolutely. So, Dangerous Seed was developed and published by Namco. It's a vertical shooter originally released in arcades, specifically for the Namco System 1 hardware in 89. And then ported, more or less, adapted by Tosei in 1990 for the Mega Drive a year later. Right, and it's kind of a loose
0: port. I mean, there's a lot of stuff added. We'll talk about this later, but there's a lot of stuff added, uh, some stuff removed. And so while it kind of follows the the idea and um, kind of the base outline, it's the same game at the core. Um, There are a lot of differences.
1: Yeah, it was definitely that era of porting the arcade experience to home where things were changed, but it definitely is still a solid game. Yeah, you lose a little bit of stuff there in translation, but it it, it works. It works. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about Namco, since we've talked about them thoroughly on previous episodes of the show, but they defined gaming for a lot of folks in the 80s and 90s. They released tons of games during that time frame. Just to give a sense, in 89 alone, they put out 15 titles like Dirt Fox, Valkyrie no Densetsu, Burning Force, Marvel Land, and a bunch of ports for home consoles. Yeah, at this point
0: in time, Namco really didn't publish a lot of their arcade titles here in the US or in the UK. Instead, we got like Atari and uh, Midway, and companies like that kind of putting out their titles. So a, a lot of the, the Namco stuff, the early Namco stuff, we didn't really associate uh, with Namco as much, just simply because, like you know, Pac-Man, for example, you
1: know, we we, we got that from Midway, you know. So. Yeah, they didn't really start to build a name for themselves in the U.S. until probably the mid-90s. Right, 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 right. Tosi, on the other hand, the company responsible
0: for the port of Dangerous Seed to the Mega Drive is pretty interesting. You've likely heard of them or seen their name pop up somewhere. But when I was looking at the list of games they worked on, I was pretty surprised Gamasutra did an interview with the vice president of Tose's former US branch and he said something that really struck me he said our policy is to not have a vision instead we follow our customers' vision uh, most of the time we refuse to put our name even in the games even the staff names and you know this was kind of a trend throughout all of gaming history right not to or to use aliases or or what have you but this company was particularly strong about having their logo. In fact, we were we were talking together the other day about
1: the uh, the company logo itself. It's like this big tree. It's like Tose Song. It's software. like an oak tree or something like that, but I'd never seen it before. I, and I've played ton- tons of games. Brian I, and I have both played tons of games right. that have been ported by Tose over the years. But I'd never seen that logo. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before.
0: And so uh, I, I was... I was surprised and it made sense because, you know, you just don't, you don't see their name as much as you'd think. But like I said, when I was going through the games, I was shocked at just how much they'd actually worked on. Some of their main clients were Namco, Bandai, Capcom, Sega, Nintendo, Sony, Square Enix, uh, Jalico, and Taito. So a lot of the old Jalico and Taito games were all done by Tosei. They did all of the Dragon Ball Z games on the Super NES, a handful of titles for the Game Boy and Game Boy Color, like Metal Gear Solid, Dragon Warrior 3, Kid Icarus. All of the Game & Watch gallery titles, and they're really well-known for those because those games ended up being really, really good. They uh, were the, pretty good ports, too. The, right, right, right. Uh, they did Mario Tennis for the Virtual Boy, Thousand Arms and Shimigami Tensei, Devil Summoner Soul Hackers for the PlayStation, Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13 for the PS3, World of Final Fantasy, King of Fighters 14. A lot of stuff. A lot of Resident Evil titles. Um, it's this really exhaustive list. I mean, I, I just named off a million, but like, there's just...
1: million more they have hundreds and hundreds of games right and And, which is crazy for a company that has been doing so many games i only knew that they did like the port of final fantasy for the (laughs) game boy advance and like a few other things right right there's there's not a lot of their uh, titles with their name on and their ports are equally impressive
0: Uh, there's just so much and the list is just exhaustive disclaimer though some of these titles here are kind of speculative since there wasn't any branding associated with a lot of their games this was from you know past employees or various internet sources and stuff like that so their their list if you go to like wikipedia or Moby games it's all you got to take it kind of like just some basic research you know some amateur journalism and stuff going on Uh, we we really don't know because i'm sure 90 percent is accurate but at the same time we don't know for sure right a little bit about Tose. Um, this is interesting because this is actually on their company website still, and you can read about it today. Uh, the company roots stem back to 1952. Yutaka Saito started the company named Seiko that uh, specialized in developing automatic constant voltage devices. Later, the business started doing software and arcade machines and split off into a new group solely focused on game development. The new independent company, Tosei, was established in Kyoto in 1979 and started working on their first arcade game, Sasuke vs. Commander. In 1982, they started developing educational software in addition to games, then eventually landing work on the NES and Famicom beginning in 1984. and They did roughly 40 or so titles for the NES, like Goal, Mappyland, Ninja Kid, uh, all the base loaded games. And as the company began to take on more and more work throughout the late 80s and early 90s, their development staff was just too small to take on all those contracts. So what they did in 1993 was they created a new branch in Shanghai to secure new development staff. And this is a large reason as to why there's so many projects and so many completed ports and stuff by Tose, because they have moved a ton of those uh, the development and all the stuff that was taking place in Kyoto Across, you know, to China to uh, get a lot of this work done, and they were able to just develop loads and loads of titles. So um, that is a large part of their company history, being in uh, being in China, and I think also they had a branch in the Philippines, they had a branch here in the U.S. Um, the Chinese branch actually since moved to Hangzhou in
1: China, but it still operates today. So. You know, I love learning all this stuff about these various companies because I think. This is something we say all the time but when you're kids you sort of listen to the music you play the games you enjoy them but you, you dis- don't really think about where they come from you dismiss all of that right Yeah I mean at best you might know like a couple of names here and there but it's really it's really cool to hear these stories at least for me because uh it was it was like the iceberg right you know like seeing right, seeing right, 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 that uh, right. the three games that I knew or whatever and then seeing oh my god this company has stuff. a huge history and They've made some rock-solid ports over the years. Right, right, right. Anyway, so let's get into some more music. We have stage one, and this
0: is uh, the first tube. All the levels are divided into tubes. And uh, so this is the first one. It's from the Mega Drive version composed by Yoshinori Nagumo. First stage, or first tube, for the Mega Drive version, composed by Yoshinori Nagumo, arranged for the Mega Drive by Yoshiki Nishimura, Akihito Hayashi, Yoko Shimokawa,
1: and Totsu Kurzweil. And uh, yeah, very powerful track. Yeah, for such an early Genesis, or sorry, Mega Drive game, it has a really just punchy arrangement, galloping everything, bass, percussion, you know, it's, it's... A lot of these tracks are like a minute long or less, but they it doesn't really feel that, that short just because they go through so many changes in such a short time. Yeah. I really do like the PSG on this one.
0: It's not every track uses PSG, but I think that the use of it in this one's really nice.
1: You know, actually, the more I was playing this game, the more it sort of reminded me of The Guardian Legend. Okay, why is that? Uh... I don't know, the art design of the biomechanical monsters had a lot to do with it, but that yeah. little that little lick there right now just sounded a lot like something from that game.
0: Uh, I see. I see. <laughs> uh,
1: biomechanical monsters is kind of like every shooter from like 87 to like 93. I think it's the grinning faces, <laughs> yeah. though. Like, yeah. most of them aren't usually smiling as they're attacking you. <laughs> true, 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 true. Uh, anyways, uh, I thought the arcade version was actually really interesting, too. Yeah, I think
0: we should check that out as a comparison. Yeah, uh, second track and already comparing, two. (laughs) Yeah why not Why not why not
1: think of that track i i think that
0: it well it's a little bit slower you know and i, I think we'll notice that as we listen to uh as we compare more tracks from the uh, genesis version or the mega drive version and the arcade version there was a noticeable s- speed up when it was ported over by tose I, I think this track stands pretty well though
1: it does it's one of the stronger ones from the original arcade soundtrack and to be honest i actually liked the percussion wasn't quite as in your face it's a little bit hissy and noisy in the Genesis, or the Mega Drive I keep saying that, the <laughs> Mega Drive version.
0: Right, well, you know, to be, well, I'm kind of on the other side of the fence there. I think the Genesis percussion is a lot stronger, and the arcade version, because this is all
1: on the YM2151, yeah. is um, very weak. It is a little weak, yeah, but, I, and it wouldn't have held up in the arcades, for sure. It would have been drowned out by everything else. So, right, out right. of context, yeah, it's a little different. Right, right. But what I really, really like about this track is
0: um, that really jazzy blues kind of chord progression. It goes into this like diminished, what diminished fifth or diminished minor or something. It's just a very pretty scale.
1: It does sound like somebody's strumming on some guitar chords pretty harshly there.
0: Yeah, but I like that. No, it's It's, cool. It's kind of of dissonant, kind of a a little bit unnerving, and I think that's what this first level's kind of all about, too. But uh, Yoshinori Nagumo
1: uh, did Dangerous Seed, and that's one of his main composing credits. Yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot. Uh, The things we were able to find on Moby Games were Lords of the Rising Sun and Sorcerian, both for the TurboGrafx CD. Ultrabox 6 Go, which is a sort of a collection of minigames, and Wonder Momo, also the TurboGrafx-16 port, not the original. Right. And then, uh, you know, the Genesis guys.
0: This is all kind of Tosei composers, and so some of them have done a few other works, and they actually go by a few different aliases, and other people have tracked them down and kind of matched up the names. Uh, Yoshiki Nishimura went by Yoshi Quinn and akihito hayashi went by newman a h uh there's yoko who went by shimokya and uh toltsu kurzwell who went by Totsu kurzwell <laughs> i don't know yeah on i could that not one. find anything else yeah but uh, it's really cool soundtrack and they did a really really good job with porting the audio over and kind of putting their own spin on it and so i think uh It was really fortunate that we got um, a lot of love and care put into it, I think. Anyways, let's get into our next track. This is the boss from stage one called the Triple-Eyed Boss from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed.
1: Stage one boss triple I from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed. A lot of energy in the beginning there. You know what I really liked
0: about this one was the um the panned um that da da da
1: they're almost atonal. They're a little bit of dissonance there. Right, but each note is in a different ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kinda cool. The boss themes all are, I mean, they're, they're boss themes, so they have that sort of kind of energy, but I think that they do a good job of changing them up for the different bosses. Every, actually, boss, every boss has a different tune, I yeah, think. That's, yeah, that's very awesome, especially in 89
0: for the arcade. Didn't expect that so much. We didn't see it so much. So. No, we still don't see that that often, <laughs> actually. <laughs> right, right. Uh, So we got some info on the uh, the arrangement, uh, the the uh, composers who did, the, or the arrangers, who did the arrangers, like the Avengers, um,
1: the uh, the arrangement artists, the arrangement? Yeah, the composers, composers who did the arrangement for Dangerous. <laughs> there CD. you go. Yeah. So uh, for Yoshiki Nishimura, he had a few credits such as Super Gold Two, Yoshi Safari, Super Play Action Football, Football International, Marvel Land, and Super Tennis. Okay. So. A lot of these games, some of these credits even have them listed as uncredited, so right. it's, 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 it's always again, hard to corroborate some of this information. Again, disclaimer on some of these. Uh, some of these <laughs> yeah, the only thing we could find for Yoko Shimokawa on short notice was uh, Namco Classic for the Game Boy and Miss Yamamura Suspense, Kyoto Goods Tech Murder Case. Probably oh man, that's a, like one of my favorites. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. It's probably like a text adventure game or something like that. So um <laughs> you don't know too much about it. And for Akihito Hayashi, we have Battle Unit Zeoth, uh Dangerous Seed. Right. Uh Bandai Golf Challenge, Pebble Beach, Pinball Quest, and the original base is loaded. Right. And that soundtrack's pretty cool, man.
0: And again, though, these are kind of uh take it like a grain of salt because we we don't really know. I mean, we, we get through our normal sources here, but they just um, you know, this is one of those ones we didn't want to sink way too much time. We'd have to do some
1: really some deep digging to find out
0: for sure. And this Wasn't the episode for that. We, yeah. we have a lot on our plate. We'll talk about towards the end of the show. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, these guys, they did work for Tose and do a lot of different stuff. They could have done a lot more that we just didn't know. And uh, that's totally possible, especially Tose Kurzweil. I mean, that, that dude's dope yeah he's 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 my hero yeah Uh, my favorite vgm artist of all time (laughs) anyways uh so let's get into our next track so this is from stage two or the second tube uh let's listen to the mega drive version and we'll talk about the arcade version as well
1: that was second tube from the mega drive version of dangerous seed this is a it's a nice mellow kind of jazzy
0: track i like it
1: in the first half yeah in the first half and then it just picks up and it just <laughs> it hits you over the head with that percussion it's it's pretty good like the organ in the beginning almost okay i'm settled in i'm in stage two of the game and then that second half kicks in and it's like whoa this is really intense. I, right, should, I right. should maybe take it a little more seriously. Surprisingly, there's no PSG in this
0: in this track at all, and I, I was kind of fooled because I thought that there was. I was 100 percent sure there was when I first listened, and it kind of took off the uh, 2612 and and nothing. So yeah, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, it sounds like there would be in the second half, but you're you're right. I was listening back to it, and I don't think there is. Yeah, we talked about the arcade version um, being slower.
0: Well, I'm sorry, the Mega Drive b- version being a lot faster. For the soundtrack. And this is a very good example of that. You want to listen to the arcade? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the bass
1: in this is a lot more uh, on that lower register. It's a lot deeper and gritty. Yeah, but it's almost a different track. I mean, that the the Mega Drive one is so much more pumped up in every way that this one feels. I mean, you can hear the same composition underneath, but I I almost didn't recognize it. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's hard without those um. Distinct, you know, we talked about
0: those those chords in that that first track, uh, the very kind of bluesy, jazzy diminished. Um, we get that again in the, but this time kind of those um those. Duh, uh, you know what I mean? The, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, syncopated, that. whatever. So yeah, I, I can't say that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a really cool track. It's interesting to hear it. You know, I heard the Mega Drive version first, and hearing the arcade version, I was like, oh my, this is wow. They really changed it here. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's definitely really cool.
1: All right. Uh, yeah. Did you want to talk about the story of the game? I guess we should. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we should. We should keep this going a nice clip. So. It's the 25th century. The solar system has come under attack, and a mysterious alien enemy known as Dangerous Seed is approaching. Human forces have been decimated, and the alien's next target is Earth. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> the enemy draws closer to the frontline base on the moon by the hour, and the final line of defense for Earth, the fightership Moon Diver, has launched. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> that's you. Uh, Moon Diver is a ship that's made up of three subships,
0: sometimes called wings. There's Alpha, Beta, and Gamma, and you make your way through uh, different levels or tubes, like we mentioned, to reach the dangerous seed. That's really a dumb name,
1: dangerous seed. It must uh, have sounded really badass in Japan in 1989. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it does have that sort of like. Kinda there's something a little gross about it. A little little hook to it, a little nasty hook to it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: each of the three parts of the ship, alpha, beta, and gamma, have their own specifics, which can be combined in various ways. And each of these combinations has various weapon types that can be leveled up. A is your normal normal shot or the arcade equivalent of you know button one. Uh B or button two unloads bombs and specials for your, you know, your selected wing. And then C alters the arrangements of those wings around. You know, at first I thought, you know, this is just like kind of your everyday shooter. There's nothing really that special about it. When I first started playing and then when I got the controls down and
1: uh, kind of figured out how the game works, there was a lot more there and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, what's cool is when you start out, you just get one ship and as you progressively beat the stages, you get more of the attachments so you can switch mids anytime during the stage. You can just rotate the ships and the main one, A pretty much just fire straight forward and you don't have to mash on it either you can just hold it down and it's like kind of auto fire so it's yeah it's nice it is and it uses a pretty standard power-up system where you grab there's a, you know there's a power-up that's one of i think three or four colors there's uh like a plasma that shoots straight forward a just like a wave beam and you grab more of the same color to upgrade that level of the beam yeah well Differently in the arcade version. So oh, that's right. I yeah. must have been playing that on the Mega Drive. Yeah, you were yeah. playing it on the
0: Mega <laughs> Drive. It's a little bit different. Uh, we can talk about the differences later. Yeah, uh, but the arcade version is a little bit more of a straight shooter. Um, and pun intended. Sure. It's it's. it's <laughs> sorry, I had to do that. It's more of a a, a straight shooting title because the uh the the power ups aren't as um, there's not as much diversity, but you still can kind of see that same kind of Gradius level power-up system. So I liked it, I thought it was really cool. Let's go ahead and get into our next track. This is from the third tube on the Mega Drive.
1: third tube from the mega drive version of dangerous seed is a nice punchy track oh, yeah, yeah i was bobbing my head along to the whole thing you know i love the classic history of shooting game music it just has such a high energy there's so much going on all the time even though the tracks literally this one's 40 seconds long but it just got so much packed into a short period of time right 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 we're looping them a few times for you guys um, to give you a little more uh, a little more on your plate there but
0: yeah, like you're saying, all this all this really nice intensity, um, it's got kind of like this devilish sound to it. You know, and one thing I noticed too is the PSG is is very light on this one. It's only a single channel, it's almost like it didn't need to be there.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that was just because it was early on in the Mega Drive and people hadn't really taken full advantage of it as a as a, an expansion chip, if you will. But there there is that PSG that we heard earlier that is a lot more.
0: I guess it's a, it's utilizing the uh, Sega PSG a lot more, you know. So That's I'm, true, I'm curious yeah. why they even needed that. It Almost didn't need to be there, but maybe they thought, you know, this is, um, to, to fill out the track a little bit more. let add this kind of nice background single channel, you know who knows speculating there but you know probably
1: can't ask them or, or you know it'd be hard to find them at this point well why don't <laughs> we just ask your buddy uh Kurzweil kurzwell oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're running the joke of the show yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so let's get into the stage three boss which is the roller snail from the mega drive version of dangerous seed watch out
1: Stage 3 boss roller snail from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed. Again, no PSG there, but I wouldn't even uh, expect for it in that grungy track. It's pretty cool. You know, when I first heard this, I'm like, is this a boss theme? And then it, five seconds later, it's up to 11 again. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely boss theme. Yeah, it's cool. The um, The arcade version is pretty similar,
0: and uh, I think that they did a really kind of faithful port over. I think the uh, arcade version has a more kind of like church organ sound to it in the beginning. But after that, it... it stays pretty faithful, I think.
1: Yeah, I'd say the compositions are pretty much the same, but really, shout out to the Mega Drive team for the sound design, because that's really where the magic happens in this one. Right, right. Let's talk about the differences
0: between the, the games real quick. Yeah. And while the Mega Drive version is a, it's a pretty good game on its own, there were a lot of things cut out in the port from the original. And we, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but most notable was the graphics. On the Mega Drive version, there's a lot more flat, kind of simpler Looking graphics and sprites, they kind of lack some of the granularity the nanco
1: system one had, uh, including some of the uh, those minor cutscenes that you see. Yeah, they do still. I mean, the game still runs really well. It's like a full sixty frames per second. There's no slowdown. So, I mean, it was probably done for that compromise to make the gameplay stand up. I want to. Say, I, I think so too. And I mean, overall, there's just a lot less drawn to the screen in general.
0: You don't have the uh, kind of lush graphics or backgrounds that you had on the Namco system one and the, uh, the sprites themselves, the ship and everything looks like, I mean, there's a noticeable difference. Were there fewer enemies too? It felt like there might've been a little bit. It felt like they were to me, but I, I, you know, I wasn't comparing back and forth. I know that I was dying a lot more on the arcade version. And so maybe that, was due to more enemies
1: on the screen well that and arcades are there to swipe your money so that's probably intentional but it might have also been for performance who knows yeah bosses in the arcade version started to kind of break apart
0: as you lower their health but in the mega drive version also they just removed that completely Uh, that could have been another thing where they were getting too much slowdown with the um you know the sprites tearing and stuff like that i i'm not exactly sure but uh, that was removed. So these, a lot of these graphical differences were a major kind of component to the, the differences between the port and the arcade version.
1: Yeah, some of that spectacle is gone, but it is still a very solid game. Right, and a lot of
0: this stuff can be overlooked since there's a substantial amount of features that were added into the port. Uh, we we're saying additional levels, and they also extended the original version levels. So the uh, arcade version, to kind of make up for it when they ported it, they extended the, the length of the level. So there's a lot more there. So maybe not as many sprites on the screen, not as many enemies, but there's a lot more of it, right? right. And same thing. They added some additional levels. Like, um, I, I guess there's multiple paths. Like, if you wait for the boss to uh, flee and not actually die, you take an alternate route. So there is kind of a difference there. They added some different weapon types. So Gene kind of oh, yeah. spilt so it earlier. I, I thought it was in both games. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. Well, I see. I played the arcade version first. Like almost all the way through, and uh, I I got to a point where I was just like, eh, no, I'm gonna switch over to the Mega Drive version. But I got pretty far. But uh, different weapon types, yeah. So there is a wave beam and a laser in the Mega Drive version. And I gotta say, the laser, the game moves so much faster on the Mega Drive version, and there's a little bit less screen real estate, you know, because it came from a vertical right port to the you know a standard you know four by three resolution. You you lose some of the the distance that you would hope to have in a vertical shooter, but again, the the weapon change and stuff was a nice addition. I think that moving too fast in the Mega Drive port made it more difficult for me, though.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Although I did really like that uh, when I was playing through some of the later levels have uh, like remixed bosses. Right. So right. Uh, there's like a boss rush level towards the end. I think it's like stage six or seven after you're through kind of the main core arcade mm-hmm. experience. And that's as you're approaching the, like the final boss, the dangerous seed, which you kind of, you enter the boss and you're now like fighting through a series of levels, uh, you know, like through the insides, because you always have to have some organic levels. It's, it's the late 80s. Right. (laughs) Has to have some goo and some kind of, of, yeah, larva (laughs) or something, something going on.
0: But uh, anyways, and then obviously the soundtrack—big difference between the uh, the two versions—and so um, there's there's a lot there. And I think if you liked the arcade version, you were in for a treat for the Mega Drive version, just because it's it's a kind of a new experience in a way with those additions. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's get in some more music. Why don't we play the arcade version of uh, the fourth tube and uh, take a listen to that? We'll be right back. That was the fourth tube from the arcade version of *Dangerous Seed*. Uh, a
1: lot more mellow than anything we've played. Yeah, point. that's actually why I wanted to put the arcade version on this one. The whole arcade soundtrack's just a little bit more bell-like, a little bit more, you know, soft organ, and I thought this track really worked. Right. To, to use as the main one slowing it down and
0: having those kind of organ more bell-like sounds just works so well in fm so it worked
1: out really well for this yeah game. it's mm-hmm. a little bit more of the the whole arcade soundtrack i'd say is a little bit more like creeping dread rather than the uh mega drive version which is more in your face fast high energy right, right. it's a right. different vibe yeah the genesis does what the namco system one don't <sighs>
0: Sorry. Sorry. It's fine. (laughs) fine. Sorry. Let's move on to our next track. This is Mars stage five from the Mega Drive version of Danger Seed.
1: That was stage five Mars from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed. I was going to say, man, the percussion line in this is kind of weak. And then at the end
0: there, <laughs> grrr, it's all in your face. It's really, it's really interesting uh, dynamic there. It feels like I'm really getting somewhere in the game at this point. Right, right, right. And uh, again, no PSG. The bells don't have that bell patch. It just doesn't have the same bell sound as the uh, the arcade version. I think that might have been intentional I'm not exactly sure. It's a little more weak, a little bit it's
1: more, a little more thinner, little, yeah. yeah,
0: thinner, yeah. So let's get into our next track. This is stage six, Jupiter from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed.
1: That was the Mega Drive version of Stage Six Jupiter from Dangerous Seed.
0: There's not a lot going on there, but I really like that flourish in the beginning, and it kind of diminishes a little bit uh when the melody or that very light melody comes in.
1: Interesting though. See, I actually felt a little differently. I like I had a furrowed brow. I can imagine playing this being like, all right, I'm at the last level. Because I think in the arcade, there's only six stages. There's only seven. There's only seven. So it feels like you're almost at the end of the game. But if you're playing the Mega Drive version for the first time, you're like, all right, I'm almost done. But there's like 11 stages. Yeah. So you're like, it's actually gonna be almost a surprise the first time. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Now,
0: this, I, I think that the arcade version is almost a completely different track. You can kind of hear maybe some of the similarities, but let's take a listen real quick. Sounds good. a very short track it's like 15 seconds or something like that before it loops and so i I mean you can kind of hear it but it's stretch yeah i it might even just be a totally different track (laughs) i mean yeah it might be but i mean I, i i don't know maybe it's just me like forcefully trying to find those similarities but uh yeah this does play during jupiter in the arcade version so uh uh i didn't get this far into the game did you
1: i did not yeah so um yeah i couldn't couldn't really tell you there but I watched a playthrough of it and I think this level at least in the Mega Drive version is really short one of the levels is like a minute long which is kind of unusual most of the other ones are about three or four right right and some of this music is very very short too
0: like 30 seconds in fact this next track we're going to listen to from stage seven Uranus is thir- about 30 seconds long before it hits the loop point and this is the Mega Drive version That was stage seven from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed. Uh, I, again, a very short track, but when those l- drums kick in, I think, it's, I think it's pretty powerful. It gives
1: the sends a message across. I actually wanted to play the arcade just for a little bit to compare because I, I put this note in the notes. Uh, it so, <laughs> sounds so thin. <laughs> sounds so thin. Okay, let's take a listen to the arcade version.
0: I like that drum fill that came in, and I was thinking it was gonna be a lot more powerful. But you're right. I'm
1: not not a huge fan of this one. It I, does. That. Yeah. The melody's still there, but it's like, eh, you know, I definitely think the Mega Drive version has the right level wins of energy. in this one, and they were yeah. probably
0: thinking about that when they were uh, porting the audio over. They're like, oh, we going to do something. This is <laughs> yeah. this is not working out. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the boss of stage seven. This is the Twin Claw from Danger Seed on the Mega Drive.
1: That was the Stage 7 boss, Twin Claw, from the Mega Drive version of Dangerous Seed. This one has all that intensity thrown
0: right back in. I don't know what happened in Stage 7, but the boss is where it it totally
1: kicks off sounds like the jackal for uh, the nes if you've ever played that oh, the old konami game yeah yeah good point there uh somebody was definitely listening to a lot of konami at the time <laughs> <laughs> i love this track who knows they could have done uh you know they could have worked on some jackal stuff or no. <laughs> <laughs> they might have done some of the ports who even knows well man
0: he's everywhere <laughs> no um a cool version no psg again uh but again it doesn't need it because it's just a very intense track. I don't know how that would fit in. What what more they could fill out with this. They're making the most of those six channels for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, today, that, that wraps up the show. We covered Dangerous Seed on the Sega Mega Drive and the Namco System 1, composed by Yoshinori Nagumo, arranged for the Mega Drive by Yoshiki Nishimura, Akihito Hayashi, Yoko Shimokawa, and Totsu as well. It's very short. So this is going to be a short episode, but uh, I think we... Uh, packed got, in a lot got, of good content in a very a short of period content. of time that's like the theme of this one yeah 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 <laughs> if you guys want to know more about the show you can check us out online at pixelatedaudio.com for our show notes and the track list we can also be found on twitter at pixelated Audio and discord if you want to join our discord server a link is on the website
1: Yeah, and we have conversations there all the time about people's various favorite music, and this is actually where the idea for this episode came from. We had some fan submissions, and we're always taking suggestions. We have a suggestions channel, so if there's something you really want us to play, uh, put it on there.
0: Right. We're really trying to uh, dig hard into our our recommendations for this year. We're going to try to hit a lot of those, Um, and we have a lot on our list. We've been very, very good about getting um kind of our calendar our schedule together for some stuff we got some really interesting episodes in the future and a lot of those are recommendations too yeah Uh, yeah yeah if you like the show and you want to leave us a review on itunes that's always appreciated everybody who's left a review so far thank you so much uh you can leave a review on the website email us any way you want um if you like the show just you know let us know also if you want to support the show you can check out our patreon page we don't try to profit at all from this we just want to keep delivering good content and if you want to support the show that's always a great way uh if you want to pledge a dollar a month that's awesome and it would mean a lot to us
1: yeah and it helps us keep the show running and doing all the stuff that we love to do and bringing it out to you guys yes uh if you are new to our podcast check out some of our past episodes we got a A whole ton. Oh, yeah. We are now at 108, but I'm going to recommend a few. We got 98 Neural Gear with Keishio Now, 84 Uchu no Kishi Tekamon Blade, and 55 with Granada. Yeah. Keeping the robot theme going with this one. (laughs) A lot of robots and cyborgs and spaceships, but lots of really, really great music and very different from each other. Yeah, and we've got a lot of really great stuff planned ahead. Uh, some really big announcements that will, I
0: guess we'll bring up in our next episode. We're
1: hoping to have everything finalized by next episode. So right. on the next show and in the Discord channel, you'll be hearing a lot about what's going on. Right. Now, we did already announce
0: that we are going to be doing an episode with Robert Holmes, who is the composer and producer of the Gabriel Knight uh, game. So... I'm really excited for this one. It's going to be a lot of great info, I think.
1: Yeah, I know Gene is just uh, like yeah,
0: I'm just like sweating
1: because I reached out to him because I I mean I played Gabriel Knight when it first came out and I was I loved the music so much. I I think I tried to learn some of the music on piano. It was like one of the first songs that I I learned how to play. Right, you've mentioned Gabriel Knight many times on the show. It's such a it holds up. It's such a good game. I Um, know. I have played through the whole thing. Yeah, we both recently replayed it. Loved it in preparation for the
0: episode. Incredible. So we we. some really cool stuff lined up uh and some more interviews that i think you guys will enjoy we wanted to keep everything light today because we just have so much on our plate and we're going to be probably doing another short episode and we'll try to be a lot more regular with them too as in closer together not so far apart so we got one last track taken out the show and this is the ending theme from the mega drive version of dangerous seed thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you back in a few weeks for the next episode